says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tip Sheet. I'm your host and rambling maniac at times, 4020, also, also known as John, sorry. Um, joining me for a post-mortem of the round 21 loss, the Rabbitohs is my good mate, 60s. A lot to talk about this week, 60s, we've had a couple of days to stew on it now, but um, there's been some fascinating conversation online among fans and in the media too for this one. Uh, yes, there have been, mate. And just before we get into that, uh, just a... A quick shout out to all of those people in businesses who are doing a little bit tough in COVID with the lockdowns or everything that's going on where we've got people that are that are doing it tough and um, not the least of which, of course, our junior clubs that have had to cease their competitions and... Um, and missed out on some big, some big community days in the process too. Yeah, and, uh, and of course, Parramatta Leagues Club who... As the owners of the Parramatta Reels and um, you know the lifeblood behind them and the lifeblood to the uh, to helping our junior leagues out there every year with uh, their registrations and those sorts of things, it's um, look it's tough with all of the the clubs that have had to shut down their employees that sort of thing. But of course, there is always a way to be able to help them keep running with being able to order through menu log or taking up some of the special offers with Jack's Pale Ale, that sort of thing with Parramatta Leagues Club. So anyone out there that's listening, any way that you can help out businesses that are doing a little bit tough, see what you can do. No, fair call, fair call. Uh, businesses, small and large alike, are definitely feeling it uh, pretty bad now with that second lockdown extending, uh, given that we're not getting on top of the infection rates. So if you can support uh, businesses large and small that are near you, it's always a good thing to do. But let's talk footy, mate, because uh, Parramatta went from two losses into three, which means they're now uh, in something of a free-four, which has led to some very robust discussion, understandably. Um, round 21 saw them taking on the South City Rabbitohs, a team that we noted have had the measure of the Eels, regardless of the respective form of the two teams heading into a given contest. And while the Eels, they improved on recent efforts against uh, against the Rabbitohs, and they improved on their recent form in some regards too, uh, once again, a lot of uh, self-harm done in this game and they just couldn't match up to the Rabbitohs. Or rather, they, they had moments of laxness that allowed the Rabbitohs to really uh, gallop out to a comfortable lead, which saw that 40-12 to 12 lead. In terms of the scorers, Micah Sivo and Wanga Blake getting on the board late for the Eels in the 55th and 63rd minute, respectively. Gufferson going two from two in his conversions. But for the Rabbitohs, it was a Josh Mansour uh, double, a Jackson Polo double with Dan Gagai and Cameron Murray also getting on the board. Reynolds, flawless in terms of try conversions, six from six, but missing the lone penalty goal, so, sorry, missing a penalty goal, two from three uh, otherwise. And the Rabbitohs going into the halftime 14-0 and converting that into a 40-12 to victory. Um, they dominated possession 54% to our 46. Uh, time of possession reflecting that of them having four minutes and two seconds more than us, 27-19 to 23-17. Both teams uh, completed really effectively, uh, 89% for the Eels, 88% for the Rabbitohs. Uh, and then, as you'd expect, given their dominance on the scoreboard and in possession, Rabbitohs ahead in all key attacking categories, faster play the ball speed. Uh, we had slightly more offloads, and that was the only real attacking thing that went our way. Uh, we were more efficient diffusing the kicks, uh, about the same defensively, 89.2, 89.3 effective tackle rate for both teams. 
So a lot of similar stats, but uh, not reflected in the actual contest, mate. So uh, in terms of individual players that had good games, uh, Wanga Blake probably had a, a, a season high effort out there. He was a uh, high energy, a lot of great involvements, really. Uh, he was up against the man, who was replacing Campbell Graham? Tane Milne. It was Tane Milne. So he, he really tested Tane Milne out there and, and had the ascendancy for large runs, but we couldn't quite capitalise. He nearly scored a try in the first half where he was just short. Um, but in terms of the contest, Oregon Kafusi knocked out in the first tackle, not even the first minute, but the first tackle uh, rolled out via HIA. And then we saw, unfortunately, at the end, Ray, uh, Ray Stone, uh, Reed Marnie, sorry, aggravating that shoulder injury that he sustained against the Newcastle Knights mid-season, which is uh, leading him to what we believe to be a season-ending uh, operation because the club was mooting where they wanted him to uh, tough it out and just heal up for the finals. But I think they're going to settle on uh, getting him ready for 2022. So a lot to dissect. Like I said, a lot of robust conversation among fans on TCT and beyond. And in the media, there's been some very interesting discussions. I think that Paul Kent and Michael Chamis have both had some uh, thought-provoking offering, offerings to uh, people that digest that content. Um, and all of a sudden, the narrative seems to be that Parramatta were never uh, premiership contenders. Yeah, based on the roster that the Eels have. Now, it's interesting that there is this narrative that's now come out. It's Look, there's elements of it that are hard to disagree with from the perspective that if you look at Parramatta's roster, it's a solid roster in terms of overall strength. It doesn't possess a game-breaker like you have with Turbo at Manly, Mm -hmm. with the likes of Teddy and Joey Manu at the Roosters, with Latrell Mitchell at South. Pappenhausen at Munster at Melbourne. Yeah, with Nathan Cleary at Penrith. So you've got... uh, That sort of stands out. There isn't anyone... and, And look, it's backed up by the pay rates on the with the Parramatta team, that there isn't a million-dollar player. And I think that that's also in line for what a lot of Parramatta fans projected our roster to be. But, well, it's in line with an argument that we used earlier on, both us and a lot of other fans, that Parramatta was lacking a superstar, but what they made up for it was a greater consistency across the roster, where they had you know a strong 1-13 to 13 that didn't have the superstar but would you know pick up the slack in any given week. But unfortunately, with what we're seeing now is that in those big games, you need the big-time players. That seems to be the way that it's coming through. But we could we could probably spend a whole podcast talking about this, and it's something that I do want to that I will address in a post later in this week with regard to the the roster. I in my most recent writing about the roster for next season, I suggested that we were only going to have about three or four places available due to the amount of retentions that we'd done for next year. And and those retentions are completely understandable, those that we've had to uh, secure. However, there's spots for about two, three, four players being brought in. And I'd suggested then, and it might have had to have looked for 2023, but that we would go with every effort towards securing someone like Joseph Manu, who I regard as as big a strike weapon for the Roosters as Tedesco is. However, that's all down the track. And what we've got to look at at the moment is the roster that we do have and analysing what's gone wrong and what can what can take place 
before the end of the year this year because that's what we're dealing with. It's uh, it's not a time for us to throw our hands up in the air and say, well, that's the season because the narrative is almost saying, well, that's your season. You don't have the team to win it. And whilst we're not going and making outlandish statements and saying, oh, no, we will win this competition, what we're saying is, well, we've still got a competition to play out and let's see how it plays out. Let's analyse what's gone wrong and, and maybe try and work out what can go a little bit better or right from this point onwards. And, and the thing is, if, if you sort of cede to that wisdom where, you know, we're not going to win this year, we might as well give up on it and start, compl- like, you know, just looking to a 2022 and beyond, the risk you set is that that sort of complacency and that sort of poison seeps into your culture that, you know, we're going to write off the season, so we'll just start, you know, learning losing habits again. So you've you got to compete. You've got to always yeah, compete. Yeah. Absolutely you have to compete. And and we're all for adding uh, an elite player to the squad. I, I, I think I'm not, as I said, I can't disagree with anything that's been said so far. And when you see the impact that someone like uh, Tommy Turbo has at Manly, where it's not just that he has that impact himself individually in games. Elevates his teammates. It's ele- Yeah, absolutely. It's elevating his teammates to the point where they've got the confidence and self-belief that when there's been occasions where he hasn't played, that they've performed far better than anyone could have expected. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we do have a match to break to, down to dissect, and... Yep. and and give some opinions on. I wanted to start off with this, mate, with uh, it's been, I said this before uh, when I was looking at last week and I'm going to say it again. I don't think the players are on the same page. BA's referred to it as players playing as individuals, not as part of the team. Uh, I, I said that not only they're not on the same page, it doesn't seem like they're in the same library. So, mm-hmm. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that, mate? Do you think there's – are we lacking real cohesion at the moment? Uh, yes, we, we're certainly lacking cohesion. We saw Mitchell Moses come back into this team, and he he fought and toiled valiantly, given that he's still going through some very painful uh, <clears throat> processes with that back, which is going to be for the remainder of a season. That's just something he's going to have to fight through. And we saw defensively there were some struggles there for him with, uh, I think it was five missed tackles. But he was putting himself at least in the in those contests, but getting bumped off because of the uh, pain pressure, I dare say. But he also had some good influence in attack, set up a nice try for one bike. But it, it feels like there's a bit of a leadership gulf at the moment. Uh, it feels like, th- given our struggles on the field, this is where you need, you know, Quentin Gufson obviously is the captain, but that entire leadership group, which I think is Ryan Madison, Junior Paulo, uh, Guffo, is it Mitch, and then someone else? Uh, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but Nathan Brown, Nathan Brown, Nathan Brown. Yep, that's it. Um, you know, they've, they've got to bring the team together, and and you know, obviously that's also reflective on the coaches too, because it's their job to get the players up for the game every week. And last week, we, you know, you you went and caught out the preparation for the game plan against the Roosters. You thought that we were, you know, entirely going about it the wrong way, which we I agreed on that. You know, all that lateral ball play, you know, it was a lack of direction. You know, it sort of. That, that was a reflective of perhaps a poor preparation. But this week, I, I saw parts of that game where the systems were being executed correctly. And there were times when we were defending our goal line and the right edge completely suffocated South Sydney. But then there were also times where, uh, I think it was the second try that Josh, Mans- that Josh Mansour scored. On the, let me just quickly run, run it back onto the score sheet. Yeah, Mansour scored his second try where uh, 
uh, Cody Walker sort of just drifts lazily across to the right. Our entire right edge just switches off and just jogs in field, leaving Dylan Brown for three and one back on the other side. And, and Walker says, okay, I'll pass back that way. So, yeah, they're, they're, we're not on the same page. And that, that is a responsibility of you know, every player in the game. That's not just a leadership group. You know, everyone's got their job to do there. And I don't know why they aren't because it's frustrating because you see them get switched on at times and, you, and we, we go toe-to-toe with South Sydney or the Roosters. And then all of a sudden we just drop our bundle and then we open up the door for a, a quick strike or two, putting the game beyond reach. Now, I know that circumstances can cause, well, obviously does cause changes in uh, on a weekly basis with some of the stats, like, for example, run metres. But I just wanted to run through some of these run metres from the spine last week and See if you can notice some of the imbalance here. Dylan Brown, 46 run metres. Mitch Moses, 103 run metres. Guffo, 110. Reed Marnie, 20. Now, I look at that and I go, well, I normally expect to see Guffo close to double yeah, those run metres. Yeah, he's usually high 100s to 200 points. Yes. And that can have a bit to do, as I said, with circumstances, how often the ball's kicked towards him. Uh, but I also think it's a measurement of how how much on the ball Gutho is during the game. Uh, it, it, just lurking around the ruck. Correct. And through that sort of thing, uh, backing up uh, players that are hitting the ball up. Um, Dylan, 46 run metres. Uh, that's almost unheard of for the type of game that he plays. And Mitch Moses, we're expecting him. I, I would have expected a reversal yeah. of the metres between Moses and and Dylan in terms of Moses maybe looking after having a little bit of self-preservation with how he might play. And that's, and that's credit to Mitch too that he put his body on the line first game back. So he, yeah. he really had a dick. Yeah, absolutely. And that was also reflected in the fact that Moses, and he, he is the dominant kicker, but he literally took every kick yep. in that game. Uh, I think um, Dylan was credited with less than 100 run metres. So when I'm saying that uh, the players don't seem to be on the page, it was like there was an imbalance that was there in this game, like it was evident in this game where those something as simple as the run meters didn't add up to me and the kick me and the and the kick duties didn't add up to me. And then I think about um I, I went back and I had a look prior to the game of Reed playing against the Roosters in round nine and then what happened in the round just gone. And the question that came over that came into my mind and, and it really resonated true when he got that injury was how much of the injury was he carrying? Has he been carrying even since he's come back? Was he was he really right? Because I don't think Reed and that, that look, it's no I'm not questioning Reed. I'm just suggesting that maybe his maybe he wasn't right because it apart from that game against the Gold Coast where he was exceptional there just wasn't the same sort of play that we were seeing from Reed as what he was displaying in the lead-up to his selection in Origin 1, where 
and the stats showed it, the amount of uh, try assists that he'd been involved with, just the troubles that he was causing opposition defences this year, it had added an extra dimension to the Eels' attack. And whilst there'd been some criticism of the Eels' attack, I would have said that we were we had our, and well, I did write, we had our type of football that we were playing, and Reed was a big part of bringing the forwards onto the ball and establishing the forward dominance. And I have to, I have to ask, how hampered was he by his injury? Because even before he got injured in the in this last game, his passes weren't finding the mark. Yeah, usually the the crispest you know ground to hands passer in the NRL, regardless of the distance he's passing. But there was a number of wayward passes out of dummy half from him, so <laughs> that does open up the idea that. He was battling through that injury uh, more than we knew, and then unfortunately, obviously, aggravated it uh, massively at the end of that game. I wonder whether, in for his long term, whether this injury now that looks like it's necessitated an operation, and that the Eels aren't going to force him, or he's not going to force himself to go through and just try to rehab without an operation and try to play. I think it might be a blessing in disguise for him because I think he needs to get that injury right because if there's any chance that he was injured and still injured and that was affecting his play, you can't you can't have your number nine in the team not at their best. And I know it's a bit of supposition that I'm making at the moment, but no one can look at his form before the injury and his before his form after the injury, and tell me that he was playing the same sort of football. No, I mean, like you said, it's supposition, but there is certainly a lot of uh, uh, circumstantial evidence, isn't there? So that yeah. that leads uh, to the Eels going to have to call upon the services of Joey Lussick once again, who was um, very solid for us in the stint he played mid-season, but obviously losing Reed Money when his best is a huge loss. Uh, to the team as a playmaker, as a defender, you know, as, as a guy that helps take the initiative at times. So they're, they're losing one of their real bulldogs or, or terriers as well. Uh, Reed always getting stuck into the opposition, which is going to hurt. He's, he brings a slightly different skill set, Joey Lussick. He is a little bit bigger than Reed, so he's a little bit uh, more... He, well, he doesn't mind mixing in the defence. He's a bit more... Uh, physical in the way that he tackles probably he, he doesn't mind mixing it there he doesn't mind having a, a dart himself for the line at the uh when the opposite when we get into the red zone and attacking close to the line we've already seen him score during his brief appearances this season so um yeah we are going to lose what reed brings to the team but again, I come back to, I think we'd lost that after, from his injury before. I, I don't think he, he had brought that back after the injury. And again, it's supposition, but um, yeah. So let's see what Joey Lussick to, uh, can provide. Maybe he might be a bit of the spark that's needed at the moment. Possibly. Uh, now before, there's a, a few players I do want to go in on here because I feel like there's been some core players and, and sort of stalwarts of the team that have been underperforming for a while. But there were some positives in this game. Uh, I think we mentioned it before, but Wanga Blake had something of a season high, 200 metres off 21 carries, looked very lively with the ball in hand, was enthusiastic in defence for the most part. 
And uh, I think the secret to Wonga, and he's always going to have an element of streakiness to his game, but I've noticed against the Roosters as well, where he had a fantastic outing before he was ruled out via HIA on a high shot that uh, that saw, I think, a fine. Just the, the system's so weird at the moment. After the crackdown, the crackdown is very much dead, by the way. Uh, one, the key to Wonga, at least to some element, is you've got to get him involved early on. And it, it's a bit of a rugby league trope with some of these players, but if you can feed him early opportunities to get you know an active shot at the defensive line with a bit of a plot time before he hits the defender to you know just work some footwork or put a move on, it seems like he really engages and switches on that game. And we, we saw yeah, it the Roosters, and we saw it against uh, the the Rabbitohs. He's definitely had two of his better games in those last two performances. I still see Wonga as a winger. Mainly because, or maybe it's just that at the moment he's playing at left centre and maybe he is more attuned to being a right centre but circumstances don't allow it because it seems to me that he loves that step infield off the left when he's playing on the left side. And against the right opposition that allows him to be able to beat the defender, it's at other times it's taken him away from his winger. And I see him because his carries can be so strong, really strong. I honestly think that he has a future as a winger. And if we're looking at not continuing down the path of retaining Blake Ferguson, then maybe as far as a winger is concerned, we've already got that winger replacement in uh, Wonga Blake. That is, if they don't see uh, Hayes Dunster as a regular first grade player. My only issue of uh, Wonga on the wing is, well, he, he loves the jam defensively, so that that's very much in line with what the wing's responsibilities are, so that's fine, but it's just the consistent work rate thing. Obviously, he powered out 200 metres in this game, but uh, wingers are often caught upon in those grittier games to absolutely slug through some uh, pretty tough ground. So that, that's the only thing. Is it's a question mark because we don't know if he can do it he's never really been afforded the opportunity to do that sort of thing. So it's uh, almost a bit of black comedy that Wanga starts to figure at least some stuff out and turn into uh, a positive stretch of form as the rest of the team collapses around him. Um, So a little bit of football irony right there. But the other player that I thought was impressive in limited minutes was Bryce Cartwright. Uh, He came onto the field, helped spark a try with some nice hands down. It was almost the, the mirror image of what Cody Walker did to us in the first half. We played the ball from the left edge short side to the right and then switched it back to the left edge short side and caught them short. So both teams going to sleep in the same corner of the field as well. So that was nice from Bryce. But uh, just before you chime in, the, the big thing, though, was the defensive aggression. He came in and really laid on some big hits. Yeah, one of the things that has disappointed me in terms of the bench rotation is that I would have liked to have seen Bryce Cartwright get more minutes. Now... We don't know the ins and outs of why he hasn't been getting those minutes. We don't know whether it's been a case of... Because we had the late change the other week as well, where Stoney was brought in at the last minute as a replacement for Cardi. So we don't know whether there'd been an issue during the week where he might have picked up an injury or if he wasn't well and um, had the flu and maybe he was changed out there. But I'd like to see a bit more regular time with Bryce Cartwright on the field. And I think he's got plenty to offer. And you I, you isolated that moment 
where he helped to construct that try for the Eels where it was what you call that heads-up football where he saw what was in front of him and similar, as you said, to Walker, he changed the direction of the attack with just a quick pass when the ball found his hands. So it was it was really important that you have players in your team who are capable of making that sort of a difference. And I really think that he is that sort of player. And I'm wondering whether the circumstances at the moment, because we're down a bit in troops in the middle, whether it's a case of ice moving into the middle and Cardi coming in to play in the back row. It's tough because we are we are down on troops in the middle. Um, we've also got some underperformers there too among some core players, which is not helping, which um, I'll get to shortly. But yeah, moving ice to the middle is an interesting proposition because, I don't know, he, he does so well on an edge and you don't want to weaken an edge, you know, but you also want to give Bryce more playing time. I'm almost half... I mean, the problem is that Nathan Brown is is pretty much a lock and not a prop, right? So you can't really move him to prop and play him in that sort of capacity. You need two big boppers in front of him because even though he plays hard, he hasn't got the size. Because I feel like Ryan Madison maybe might uh, might benefit from simplifying his game and putting him at lock forward at times. Uh, so you could give Cartwright the average, but I don't know. It's, it's a difficult call because I don't think there is a, a singularly correct option. Well, the thing is that you've got players like Maddo and Ock that can go for 80 minutes. So you look at that, and and this is probably where BA's looked at it. He's carrying a back rower who's a bit of a utility, but he's carrying a back rower on the bench, and he's got back rowers who can go for the 80 minutes. So then the option becomes moving ice into the middle anyway. So the other option too, and I suppose this is a, a corollary to what I was going to talk about in terms of core players letting us down. Uh, Murata's sort of struggled for impact in the middle recently. And he's, you know, been, he's also been thrown into some tough situation with concussions and injuries. I mean, when Reg blew out his groin against the Roosters, he was thrown into the fray about 10 plus minutes earlier than it was meant to. Would you consider putting Murata back out on edge in order to reignite his form? I'd consider putting Murata at centre again, if I'm perfectly honest, because I think his impact out in the centres, at the very least the job that he was doing, I thought that he had more of a contribution to the team out there than has been evident in recent games. Now, maybe that's a bit of a, a harsh judgment because we're huge fans of Murata and the, I suppose, the what he brings to the team in terms of the strength of his carries and the, the impact of, that he can have in a game. But, again, I just feel that... There are things that worked. Maybe this is just too simplistic looking at it this way, and I'm probably reading it all wrong. But I look at the things that have worked at different times this year, and one of the things that worked was Murata out wide earlier this year. 
I'm in two minds there because I agree with you in in terms of putting him out wider, um, but I don't want him at centre because I'd rather I, I I want someone else at centre moving forwards. Uh, in that I would like to see Will Penasini maybe get a few more looks this year, but yeah, I, I would consider Murata very strongly at centre if you don't want to play Will Penasini because you don't want to expose a rookie so on and so forth. But yeah, if you're not playing him at centre, then you play him at edge, I think, and then that you know, so you go you can move ice to the middle like you said. Then you've got Murata on one edge. Madison on another, uh, with uh, Cartwright getting more time because you can then put Murata into the middle rotation if you need to. Um, but yeah, you definitely need to find Cartwright more time. You need to find a way to reignite Murata because I think a lot of the, the thing that also that maybe has gone on the radar there is that Murata often dictates the tone for our entire bench. Like he, he sets the tone, he sets the, the pace. He comes in and tears in and all of a sudden everyone else is coming off the back fence. And when, when he's a little bit flat, um, and he, you know he's stuck in second gear, which seems to be the case at the moment. Uh, you look at the rest of the bench, and you're not getting the same value out of him. And it's not been helped by a little bit of bad luck. But you know every team has to eat bad luck. But when you get Oregon Kafusi knocked out in the first tackle, obviously your bench rotation is going to get a bit balked, uh, no doubt. But yeah, just something has to change in that regard. We need uh, we need our bench to really lift when they come on. We need them to ignite the team to to win that second rotation. Um, but beyond that, the, the other thing is that there's just too many core players letting the team down. And it's something that we've touched on recently. You know, you, you look across the park and, you know, obviously Guffo's having a real downturn of form uh, going back to even the Titans game where he was a little bit out of sync um, with some of his touches. And then, you know, most of the back line outside of Wanga Blake, you know, Blake figures it out and all of a sudden everyone else forgets how to catch a ball or score a try. And then you look at, you know, core forwards, Junior Paulo, Nathan Brown, uh, Ryan Madison, uh, they're, they're all struggling at the moment. And, you know, when you've got that many of your core players either uh, flatlining or, or playing below par, you're going to struggle against any team, let alone the, the big dogs like we have in this run. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the other week, BA said that there was no questioning the effort that was being put in. But you, Ray, you used the word flat, that it seems like they're a bit flat. It's like there's... Well, they are and they aren't because... And it's just so no one misconstrues what I'm saying. This also includes other spine players too. Uh, Dylan Brown struggling. You mentioned Reed Marnie was uh, below his best. I think that you know Mitch Moses came back and tried his ass off, so I'm going to give him a, a, a pass card for the week given his injury issue. But they look flat, but then there's also times where they switch on in contests, in, even in this bad run, where they match it. And they, they start to get into the grind and they look like they're going to maybe start swinging the arm wrestle just a little bit towards our side. And then they just, you know, switch off. Do you think... Oh, there's a word I want to um, come to and it's not a word that I've used uh, as much recently with Parramatta in terms of questioning it. Resilience. Oh, yeah. It, it's been... I mean, that and, and other guises or formats, mental toughness, mental fortitude, that sort of thing, has definitely been on the table in terms of the questions being leveled at this team because their their recent losses have opened the way for that sort of conversation to start up rightfully. They're, they're showing a lack of mental resilience. Yeah, it's that's a concern for me because... Yeah, this, this team was when, built on being able to get into those contests. Correct, correct. And when we were going through, when you were going through those stats... And the tackle effectiveness between the two teams was almost identical. And I was shaking my head because mm. 
I wrote down a I wrote down a few notes and one of the things that I'd written down was my concerns about defence. And when you have nine line breaks against the team. And that, that's why tackle officially can be a little bit misleading at times because if you don't yeah. if you don't make the tackle at all, it doesn't count as a miss. You know? If you're not if you're not there. So I I have I have questions. I understand how the defensive system that Parramatta uses is meant to work and what the players need to do to fulfil their roles to, to make it the efficient system that it should be. My question then comes, if the players that you have in the team cannot execute that particular system, what can you do? So the South Sydney stripped our right edge, which was Opachik and Dunster, mm -hmm. in almost identical fashion to how Wonga Blake and Blake Ferguson had been stripped before. And those, the way that the the line breaks were being made on that right edge was almost training run standard. Like you knew it was coming and we didn't number up and you could see it. You could actually see it. It didn't need to be at the ground. I, I normally say, look, we need to, you often need to be at the ground to see how uh, the the defense is lining up. If there's players that aren't in position, that sort of thing. That South Sydney were telegraphing their intent and we still weren't. Numbering up. Yes. Yeah. It, like you knew, here comes a shift to their left. And then you look at our defensive line, and before it's got out there, you go, we're going to have a problem here. Because it didn't, like, it didn't number up. And the movement was inwards, and they were hitting, they were hitting their winger, and they weren't having to throw. See, the, the thing is, if this system works well, for a team to get around that they have to throw a miracle ball or a real Harbour Bridge sort of ball, which isn't an easy thing to throw. But they were just getting there with a normal pass. They were doing nothing extraordinary to get the ball there. So, again, if if the problem is, and this is the something for the coaches there, and I'm, I'm not going to tell them how to do their job, but if the coaches have instructed them to have a particular particular movements in that defensive system, and if they're doing everything that they're supposed to do, then that's one matter. If they're not doing what they're supposed to do, and it's causing these problems, do we have the players that can execute that system? Should we try something different? I, yeah. I don't have an answer. That, that, that's yeah, something that someone more stored in rugby league than us we have to and obviously you also have to have insight into the inner operations like the inner inner operations of a club uh, to make that call but obviously you've got to coach to your cattle that's like one of the tenets of a good coach is that you know you don't try and force systems onto a roster that it won't work on and we've seen people struggle like Steve Kearney came to the club and tried to force uh, immediately force the Melbourne system onto us and we just did not have the cattle to do it and, and Kearney obviously uh, his credentials as a coach never really panned out fantastically as a head coach, sorry. Um, but, you know, given that Brad, 
Brad has shown an ability to get the most out of a lot of his players throughout his tenure at the club, uh, it, it's hard to – where do you ascertain responsibility or where do you proportion responsibility, sorry? Um, well, I think I think in this, in this instance with the defence, it's – the system worked for – But even, even, even in that game, there were times – in the second half, on our goal line, that right edge was suffocating. They, the Souths came at them with Latrell on sweeping, with options down that side, and they completely played man-to-man and shut it down. So when, when they did it correctly, it worked. That's the thing. Is when they, when, and a lot, of, a lot of this stuff, if you end up having access to coaching tape, which we don't get as players, uh, as, sorry, as fans, obviously, players would have access to it, um, a lot of the rot usually starts from the, like, the edges of the ruck because that's where you need to be, you know, you need to play that man-to-man in order to give the gap responsibilities to those guys out wide make them easier. Allow them to play man-to-man or at least be able to uh, get up on that block without being caught in the back foot. And yeah. and I have to assume, given that you know uh, we're, we're also not quite winning contests in the middle in general, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of that responsibility comes back to the Ruckman not getting wide enough initially too. And yeah, well, that's, that's where um, it, I'm... I'm concerned because if you've got people that aren't doing their job, and as I said, this comes back to the coaches, at what point do you either, A, say, we haven't got the players that can consistently follow this system, so we have to make changes to the players um, or changes to the team that we select, or at what point do you... Uh, or, or do you turn around and go, well, we we don't have the options available in terms of other players. We have to look at a different way of doing this. And then you look at it and you go, it's this point in the season. Are you going to go with a different system? Or, or how, how fast can you install a new defensive system? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't, again, I, I don't, I don't have an answer to this. I just know, like you do that you see it work as it's supposed to either at times during games or for entire games where, let's face it, the the Eels didn't have the for and against record that they did without, uh, and and given that we were highly criticised for not having an attack as good as other teams, where has that excellent differential come from? It it had come from having a good defence. So... Times like this, where Souths break it down so easily, why? I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I come I, back. Obviously, there's issues on the edge, but I come back to the fact that against South Sydney, we have been so poor in the collisions. We have we have forfeited sentencing in the middle, pretty much every contest across the last four or five head to heads, and that's where the rot starts, and that's where they start getting downhill against us. You know, it's interesting that you say that because. I had at the start of the season when people were talking about the horror draw towards the end of the year for us, I had expected across the season something like about six, maybe seven losses for the season. That was was being realistic because anyone who thinks that you're going to go through a season undefeated is, is living a pipe dream, obviously, because it just doesn't happen in the NRL. And if you're looking, if you have an expectation that your team's going to run about third or fourth in the premiership 
in the minor premiership, then you're going to expect somewhere in that vicinity of five to seven losses throughout the season. And I'd mark down this South Sydney game as a probable loss simply due to the fact that there's something about the way that they play football that we've struggled with more than we have any other team. I have, I don't have the qualms of us going into a contest with Penrith when we are playing at our best football. And I think we've got closer, a lot closer to Melbourne, given the fact that we've, we did manage to beat them at the start of this year. However, South, for some reason, styles make fights, right? We speak about it all the time on the podcast and, and for whatever reason, the way South play, Melbourne eat them up for breakfast, but they absolutely chew us up. So it's a, something that the coaching staff needs to overcome because Souths are a perennial you know, contender or, or thereabouts. Sort of, uh, their, their ceiling seems to be the preliminary final, given that they can't... Maybe, maybe, we're, maybe we're looking at this in a slightly... In a context where maybe we're not giving enough credit to someone like Walker for what he's able to do where they hit that left edge. It just Because Parramatta's not the only team that they do that to. Yeah, no, they've, they've eviscerated plenty of decent to good teams in the competition this year, but they also have been completely stonewalled by Penrith and the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, and then, of course, when you mentioned before about the issue around the forwards when we've played South Sydney and that those issues can extend further outwards. I look at some of the other tries that South Sydney scored and the number of times where the runner should have been shut down. And yeah, being, being passive defensively is just a cardinal. Yeah. Sort. If, if yeah. you're sitting on your back foot, on your heels uh, against a team like South Sydney, you give them the space and time to operate in order to get their structures flowing, then you're going to get cut up. And that's what we did, unfortunately. You've got to be active. You've got to be aggressive. You've got to try and set the tone against them. You can't let them come at you of time to make the decision. You've got to force them into suboptimal uh, shot-calling scenarios. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, I think there is, um, as you mentioned, the, we've got too many of the core players that aren't, in form at the moment, and and, and th- this is an issue where responsibility falls on both player and coaching staff. So don't don't get get mixed up here. But at the end of the day, for me at least as a fan, when you've been paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not many hundreds of thousands of dollars, there is a certain baseline standard that you have to hold yourself to. And I feel like the players are letting themselves down in that regard. Yeah, it's and it's it's hard to put a, a finger on just how that's coming about now. It could be something as simple as that self-confidence and self-belief because it's almost like, whereas at the start of the year, there was, a, there was the, that belief to, to pop the pass at just the, uh, you know, it seemed so, to be like at just the yeah, right and, time and to were, create there, a line break. There were people like, constantly backing up in those scenarios. Yeah, and, yeah. And all of a sudden now there is still a bit of support play, but it's dropped off significantly. Um, there's often times where someone like Dylan Brown, even though he struggled as a playmaker, will have a nice run, have the arm freed out, and there's no one off him. You know, yeah, or, yeah. or Wonga Blake at centre. You know, he's we saw a little <laughs> bit. We saw Gufferson at least backing up on him a couple of times in the first half, but. You know, you, you have these situations where 
we're, we're creating opportunities. Even in our struggles, there are opportunities there on the field. And either the offload is errant. We saw a number of, recently there's been a number of reckless offloads that have seen, like, seen us lose 10 to 20 metres. Or the, the, the man's left there hanging his arm out saying, come on, I need someone to run off me. Yeah. It just seems like if there was a type of error to have happened during the game, that in the last two weeks, we found a way to make that error happen. Yep. And even if it's not a significant number of errors, it's that the error has happened at a crucial time. And unfortunately, they've really found a way to have it cost us dearly. Now, it was so disappointing that previous week against the Roosters because I honestly thought the Roosters started that game with their mindset, well, their their own confidence being well down. And unfortunately, yeah, they, we they just... Coughed, they coughed the ball a ton of times in the first half. We, yeah. they, they were gifting us the, the opportunity to take that game away from them. And then our own uh, recklessness, our own uh, lack of patience in the red zone cost us badly. So if we now flip the way that we're looking at this, because we've done... We've done quite a lot of uh, review on the game, and uh, incidentally, I would would have gone for uh, Wonga as as my uh, three. I would have gone Ice as my two, and I'm now I'm struggling a little bit for my one. Maybe Mitch Moses. Mitch, maybe yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Because Wang was comfortably best on field, uh, I thought Sevo tried a bit harder than usual. Uh, there were times where he actually carted the ball up with enthusiasm, which has you know been a, a noted issue of his. But geez, yeah, Bryce was good off the bench. He just didn't get enough minutes. Yeah, that, to that's be- that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, he got a, he got a handful of minutes and made some great impact in there. But it's hard to award one point just on. Uh, what was it? Uh, where is he there? Yeah, twenty-nine minute stint. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe it is Mitch because you know showing a little bit of grit, a little bit of wherewithal to fight through that broken back and set up a really fantastic try for Wonga Blake, and you know otherwise battle through a, a very tough situation personally. Yeah. So if we if we we wrap up and just say, well, that that's that's that behind us. What's the What's the answer? I know we're going to do a little bit of a preview later in the week. Mm-hmm. But what's what's the answer going forward to get out of this rut? I think Look, this game, this game coming up against Manly, is still so it, it is so crucial because oh, yeah. if they find a way to beat Manly, they get a four point jump. Yep, and all and all of a sudden, uh, a, a good win or even just a squeaked win against Manly that can kicks up everything again. It can reignite, it can be the catalyst, and all of a sudden you're back in it and you're you know you're ready to take on the world. But conversely, if we get hammered by Manly, you're you're looking at a genuine free fall because you got the Cowboys coming up, I think is like your not a gimme, but like it's seen as your winnable game, but otherwise it's a murderer's row still. But the the hilarity, and I, I say this once again for a little black comedy, is I think the situation, the, the situation, the answer, the scenario, how they figure it out, it, it's both simultaneously simple and and f- like ridiculously complicated. Because the the simple thing is, is that 
they just figure themselves out. That's it. Like they just hold on to the ball, run hard, tackle hard, and a lot of this other stuff will f- figure itself out on the field. Because if you if you play with intensity and if you play with speed and enthusiasm, it's hard for the opposition to go with you. Because if you just keep coming at them and you're running hard and you're backing up and you're playing everything at pace, your backline moves are bang, bang, bang. You go on, you know, you play with that that violence. Teams struggle to go with you, even good teams, and that's how we beat the Melbourne Storm in round two. But the flip side is, as 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 easy it is to say, play at speed, you know, hold on to the ball, be enthusiastic. If you're stuck in a in a slump, if you're in a rut, and you know, it, it feels like at times the football gods are conspiring against you because when you're down, you get kicked by you know by chance and happenstance. Look at us, Oregon Kafusi ruled out in the first minute. Reed Money ruled out for the season in the last minute. Like stuff like that sort of, it feels like it piles onto you when you're down. Trying to find a way to bottle that emotion, that enthusiasm is so difficult. And it's, you know, it's a sporting phenomenon not unique to rugby league. This is across all codes, all, all, all walks of sporting world. So figure that out and all of a sudden you're back in it. And maybe it comes down to, you know, gutsing out a win against Manly and, and finding a way to hang on by tooth and nail as, you know, Tommy looks to have another three-point Dally M game, maybe you just got to get one ugly win against a good team and, you know, it starts figuring yourself out. But the fact of the matter is, is that more than anything else, they're letting themselves down in these contests because they'll position themselves in the arm wrestle and then just have a collapse. And then they start getting back into it. Like, you know, we're down by 18 points. It's kind of at the comebacks at the outer reaches, but if you hold on, maybe you can do it. Maybe we call back a try and then you, you have a little mini collapse again. They just got to stop having these moments. I think it's interesting that Manly provided almost the blueprint for fighting tooth and nail when they went down to the storm. Their effort, especially in that first half, where the storm had all that possession, all that territory, and they and Manly, they looked a little bit out of sorts in attack. But defensively, they scrambled and scrambled and scrambled and scrambled and just wouldn't give up that that dogged determination that they had. There, there was a lot to admire about their loss to the Storm. And I think if Parramatta were to use that as, I don't know, the, I don't think inspiration's the right word, but as I said, the blueprint of what they need to do as well in terms of attitude, not not in terms of game plan, but just in terms of attitude, because it's still, even if we accept a narrative that Parramatta doesn't have the cattle that some of the other team have, and maybe I shouldn't use that term cattle, maybe I should say that Parramatta doesn't have that one or two game breakers that a couple of other teams might have. It is still that team which were, I think you used the word violence, earlier in uh, in what you were saying, I think Parramatta maybe needs to bring an element of violence mm. to the way that they approach their football because they had that earlier in the season. And if they can bring that and find a way to, yeah, just to, just to reinvigorate that aspect of their play, that's a starting block. The, the, the match plan should still be fairly simple outside of that um but man without that attitude and resolve then i think then that's when you get those sorts of blowout scores that we've had in the last two weeks Mm -hmm. because you can be 
you can lose a game because you haven't quite you you haven't matched a team that's a better team on the day. We all accept that those sorts of times happen. Absolutely. But in the last two weeks, it just hasn't been. You'd have to say it hasn't been acceptable how how they've performed, and it shouldn't be. I, I was going to say it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be that hard to find what was there before. But what I'm meaning to say is that's why sports is crazy, right? Because they, it shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah, it's a it's a rediscovery rather than creating something new. I think they just need to rediscover what was there before to be able to to compete against the. Uh, teams that are in form at the moment so one one thing i think i've I haven't articulated at any point during this free game skid and it's something that's always it's something i've wanted to speak about in that at times during our losses our enthusiasm or our desperation has let us down in that we've been on our goal line and there's been a spread and you know it's a guy gunning for the corner but we've still got time to get across and cover and we've seen three or four people all desperately over chase to try and shut him down allowing for that step back and you know fall over so we just we need to mix that desperation, that enthusiasm, you know, that that willingness to to give it everything you've got in that situation with a bit of intelligence. Yeah, you know, if you're the third or fourth man in, you need to not overcommit there. You need to be able to be the 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 circuit breaker or the safety net in case that guy plants the right foot off the right side on the left foot off the left side line. So we there, there have been times where we've actually actively hurt ourselves by being too enthusiastic which, you know, we've spoken about in other podcasts. But, yeah, just we need to be desperate, but we also need to read the situation correctly. So, you know, hustle, but show, you know, a bit of nous. Don't open up. Don't, don't in your desperation to save the try in the corner, open up the ability for the guy to just step back and fall over the line five metres in field. Now, a question for you. Do you think, apart from the enforced change of... Reed Marnie being out and Joey Lussick coming, well, in all likelihood coming in. Presumably, yes. Yep. Um, we're waiting to hear, I'm assume, I assume, how Ferguson is with regard to he his injury. He hurt his calf, which is we know can be a tricky injury. So he, he could be on the same timeline as Reg now if it's a significant calf injury. Are you anticipating any changes? I already mentioned that I wouldn't mind seeing Will Penasini in at centre. I'd have him replacing Tom if that's the case because Wanger is the hot hand in our team and you sort of just got to keep feeding him while he's, you know, in this uh, sort of vein of form. If it's not Will, I wouldn't mind seeing Murata on an edge or at centre. But in terms of changes that I'm anticipating, I don't know. Uh, Brad, I mean, Brad, one of his coin cards is loyalty to a fault. You know, he, he sticks with guys through form slumps back and then they get over it and, and get back to their best. And that's by and large worked throughout his tenure here at the Eels. There have been times where a guy has been carried, you know, perhaps a, a few games too many and could have been dropped. And the, the issue here for us is who are we going to bring in? Makahesi Makatol's a guy we've spoken about maybe getting a look in off the bench, but now that reserve grade's been dead for a while, you know, is, is he going to come in and hit the ground running? It's a tough ask. I think that uh, what you've just said there about reserve grade being finished that it makes the likelihood of change that much more unlikely so 
more, I don't think more minutes, see. Of, more minutes of Bryce Cartwright, I expect. I think that he's earned uh, one way or another the right to get on the field more. So whether that means you, you let uh, Papa tear in for 20 minutes on the edge and then bring in Cartwright and then put Papa into the rotation in the middle, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, there's... There are options. Like I said, you can bring in a rookie like Panasini and then uh, work around that, which I would really like to see. I thought that Will brought a lot of energy against the Titans and might be a little bit of a spark plug for a team that needs uh, something like that. But, yeah, it's tough skidding, tough sledding. Yeah, it's it comes back to how um, I suppose we have to we have to look back and think how crucial this that Canberra loss was mm-hmm. because – Without losing to Canberra, the Eels would be currently sitting four points ahead of Manly and two points ahead of the Roosters. So crazy, isn't it? Just and, one one loss like that. Yeah, yeah, and and I also wonder too about the the jolt to the confidence that may have come from that particular game. Um, I, you know, I. I think when all was said and done, even though it's a different opposition, that our form against the Roosters and against South was actually a deterioration on the form against the Raiders. And uh, and as much as the, that game against the Raiders was criticised, um, there were there were things that I could find out of that. that I think that's patently true. So- the, the issue against the Raiders was a lack of finishing nows. Correct. Uh, but yeah. we, we, we were in a, in a, it was a very fierce physical contest. The Raiders threw a lot at us in the middle, and by and large, we were you know right there with them, and we just couldn't capitalise on, on the limited opportunities we had without Mitchell Moses steering the team around the park. And as you sort of supposited, a, a banged-up Reed Marty perhaps not playing at his best. Uh, but from there, it all went downhill. There was, a, a like we said, a, an element of like recklessness, Impatience, uh, you know, just fundamental collapses in the the next two results. So yeah, I think that the standard in the Canberra game, if we'd applied that standard against the Roosters, we probably win. Uh, if we bring that standard against the the Rabbitohs with Mitchell Moses back, we at least make it a, a fair contest. I think what it might come down to this coming week may well be the importance of scoring first. Yeah, yeah, because because the. the the last three losses, the opposition's got a start on us. And not just and a start, but be they've, honest, had a, they've had a run. I haven't liked I haven't liked the body language after that's happened. Yeah. Yeah, we've had issues playing from behind in those three contests. And like I said, it's not just playing from behind. It's playing from behind of a significant margin. If you go back to the Canberra game, they went uh, 44th minute, 52nd minute, and then we had to play from a 12-point deficit. If you look at the Roosters game, well, we got shut out there, but uh, we, we had that initial early possession. And then we went. They, they went back to back tries. It was Morris Tupania off two possessions. So all of a sudden you're in a twelve point hole again, well, or a ten point hole there. Sorry, because uh, Kieran missed one of the conversions. And then obviously against the Rabbitohs, well, seventeenth and twenty fifth minute again. So you're playing in a twelve point hole. So you know you're, you're really setting yourself behind by not just conceding the first try but the second try quickly. And that's been the story of those three losses. Yeah. Well, mate, I think we've gone on a bit longer than we uh, yeah, this actually planned. Yeah, a nice uh, <laughs> bit of brevity was meant to be for the coin card for this podcast, but it turns out that there was a lot to talk about um, on a micro and macro level for this team because obviously there are issues, you know, not just in the playing group, not just in the coaching 
preparation, but you know, you don't have three losses of the way we've had without responsibility being laid across the park. Yeah, so plenty to there's been plenty to talk about. Um and it's not easy to do so when you when your team's not playing as you'd as you'd like. But uh mate, I appreciate your patience and your your help over the last few days. It's um with the with the website you've uh, managed to um uh, come to my rescue a little bit over the last few days so i really appreciate that so my thanks to you and um yeah we we now look forward to let's hope a better week this week with our eels well we couldn't preach about you know needed an improvement for better support playing the team if we're not practicing ourselves mate so always happy to lend <laughs> a hand but yeah um, it, it's a fascinating situation it's obviously not one we want to be in as fans um eels on that free game slide but still a lot of football to go between now and the finals. And while, you know, the, the parameter of Eels are blown out in terms of premiership odds, and I think that we've all sort of readjusted our expectations to 2021, sport's funny. You know, all it takes is one one win. And all of a sudden, you know, things can reignite. You have a catalyst to push forwards. And, by, you know, by contrast, if we have a bad loss against the Seagulls, you don't know how far we can bottom out. So big game on the weekend, Saturday night primetime. We're going to preview that later this week once we get the team list out and have a little bit of a a gander at the uh, NRL environment post uh, Team West Tuesday. But yeah, um, always cathartic to talk about a loss, and I know that fans are frustrated because this is not how we want this to play out. But yeah, just sit tight and enjoy the football, I suppose, one way or another. Yes, mate, that's exactly it. Where we In these times, we do have the game even if we, even if our team isn't delivering, we do have the game there, which is a, a bit of a distraction. And as I said at the start of the pod, uh, our shout out to everyone that's that's doing it tough. And um, yeah, let's let's hope that it's uh, better times ahead, not too far down the track. Yes, sir. And as always, given that we're under lockdown, if you're in New South Wales, and uh, given that COVID's spreading elsewhere in Australia again, it couldn't be too far gone. But uh, for other other states, but stay safe. Um, you can always reach out on TC to have a conversation. And yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for stopping by. Bye bye.